Hey, this is Oliver. And this is Morgan. Before we get to our show today, we want to let listeners know about a special live taping of Heat Rocks happening in Los Angeles on Saturday, November 11th. Yeah, man, this is to celebrate the launch of Heat Rocks, and we decided to tape an episode live, inviting electric, eclectic, Grammy-nominated artist B. Slade to join us to talk about his Heat Rock. Janet Jackson's smash album, Rhythm Nation, 1814. This is happening on Saturday, November the 11th at 4 p.m. at The Residence in the Arts District of downtown Los Angeles. You can find more info about this on our website, which is heatrockspod.com, as well as on our Instagram account, also at heatrockspod. We do hope to see all of our L.A. fans out there. And now, on to the show. Hi, I'm Oliver Wang. And I'm Morgan Rhodes. You're listening to Heat Rocks. Each episode, we invite a guest to join us to discuss one of their Heat Rocks, a fire album that they hold near and dear to the hearts. And today we'll be talking about Miracles, the 1981 post-disco LP by the group Change. Change brought together talents in both the Italian and New York dance music communities in the late 1970s, and their sound captured the evolution of dance styles, basically shifting from the end of disco and into newer forms like house and boogie. And you might be listening to some of their stuff and think, this sounds a lot like Chic, and you would not be wrong. But the Italio disco roots of founding members Jacques-Fred Petrus, David Romani, and Mauro Malavasi also helped shape their style. And by the 1980s, they were minting their own dance floor gold, especially behind hits like what you're hearing right now, Paradise. Joining us to talk about miracles, we have Mr. Boogie himself, someone who knows all too well the ins and outs of funk. That's L.A.-based producer, artist, and DJ Dame Funk. The Funkmosphere parties here in L.A. really blew him up. They just finished their 10-year run, and of course, he's been in and around the scene, recording stuff with Stone's Throw and other labels. What we're going to hear next is Just Ease Your Mind from Dame's 2014 album, Invite the Light, and it's got one of our other heat rock guests on the scene, Joy. Yes. Just ease your mind from all negativity yeah. And let the force run through you and me Just ease your mind from all negativity yeah. And let the force run through you and me Dame Funk, welcome. Hey, what's happening, everybody? Thanks for having me. Dame, you are one of, as I learned recently, one of Pasadena's finest. And I feel like, and I, I say this as someone who grew up in Pasadena or the Pasadena area in uh-huh. the 80s, uh, just the same as you. It always strikes me that given that it's not a small city by any means, uh-huh. uh, you know, it's not like the size of Los Angeles, obviously, but it's not a small city. Yet you very rarely hear of artists coming out of Pasadena. And is that some deficit in talent out there? Or is it just that people just claim L.A. instead of saying Pasadena? I, I mean, as someone who grew up there, what, what do you think that is? I think it's a little bit to do with both, you know, um, but I would say more to do about uh, Pasadena being a place that's just a a light mirror, if you will, of L.A. Um, It's still Los Angeles, but it's just across the way and we just have our own thing going. Um, But there's been a few people. I know Patrice Russian uh, lives there now. Um, You know, Troop was out of there. Um, Jackie Robinson, you know, know, the list goes on. Van Halen. But 
you know, it's just a thing of like this. People call it like almost like a country town of L.A. You know what I'm saying? But, <laughs> <laughs> but to me, it was a great place to grow up in a lot of great musicality. And um, all the people that I grew up with, uh, they were heavy in the music. And, um, and and we got to see it all. And, and our reputation is uh, it stands tall uh, around California. Yeah. I grew up in, in L.A., and I grew up right on uh, 6th Avenue off of uh, 60th and Crenshaw. Oh, that's cool, Morgan. And I talk a lot about the music scene mm-hmm. in L.A., um, not just the artists, but I, I talk often about the crews of L.A., dance crews, yes. um, beat crews. My goal growing up was I wanted to party with my cousin, who spent almost every weekend at Uncle Jam's Army. Yes. Um, I, I kept hearing about this DJ, General Lee, mm-hmm. and my goal was to, to make it out there, because he would talk about how dope the parties were and they were right on King Boulevard and Crenshaw at the time. Mm-hmm. Some little warehouse on the corner. That's cool. So the first time I heard your music, I immediately thought of Egyptian Lover, Dial a Freak. Yes. Because my cousin would bump that so hard in the car. Yeah. So my question to you is, did you ever hang out at Uncle Jam's Army or were you in and around the scene? Like so much of your music has that funk synth vibe that I remember from Egyptian Lover. How much of that was an influence on you? That's so interesting you say that because they used to come to Pasadena and do their shows at the Civic Center. And uh, so when they were hot around like 83, 84, um, we were young. Some of my friends, we would get into these big giant parties and and um, and they even had like they were on the bill with like LL Cool J and stuff mm-hmm. like that. But mm-hmm. even before they started coming out, the promoters brought out the East Coast artists. It was mainly like Rodney O and Joe Cooley, you know, right. Egyptian Lover, right. uh, uh, Uncle Jam's Army, um, you know, that whole um it, it was just an incredible time. It was such a short-lived period. But yeah. but uh, when you talk about the dance crews, and that, that really existed. I, I, I wished it was, like, uh, more um, uh, documented, you know yeah. what I mean? Like, before all the film, and, and if we had video and film yeah. then. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, but speaking about that era, I was on the Pasadena side, on the sports arena side. Um, I remember, like, we tried to get in, and it was... Uh, we went some, with some older people, and it was a. This is the Nissan truck era. Yeah. You know, like remember those? So it was yes, a fad sir. in L.A. when it was a lot of uh, Nissan trucks and uh, pickup trucks, folks. If you if you're listening, and uh, with a little uh, flatbed in the back, and um, and then it quickly went into the uh, Samurai Suzuki's. Yeah. And, uh, and Suzuki Samurais, and, and but that whole era, um, we were part of it. It was a real trip because it was such a up tempo style of music, but then it was that dope selling period coming out and the silk shirts and the mm-hmm. the the gold chains and jerry curls which we wore proudly yeah and uh <laughs> <laughs> indeed so, yeah it was a part of my uh, uh backdrop yeah it was mm-hmm. so dan we wanted uh to invite you to come here and talk about an album of your choosing and you went with the 1981 lp miracles by the italian slash new york outfit change yes Damon, especially as a DJ, I think it's always interesting to figure out how people first come across different kinds of albums and, and music. So how did you first come across this album? I remember the record coming out in 81. Mm. You know, I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I consider my age timeless, but so we'll just leave it at that. But, um, right. <laughs> Very diplomatic. But I, exactly. Look, this record was just such a, a special piece because one of my buddies, his mom, was into change. Mm-hmm. Uh, she used to work at the post office, and I saw the record sitting on a, uh, a coffee table when I used to visit my friend at, playing around and, and going back and forth from our house. And uh, and then so 
uh, this particular record, Paradise, was being played in the radio. But it was one of those things when I was a kid, I was like, I can't, I heard it sometime, but I just couldn't quite put my finger on it. You know what I mean? So later on, about 88, 89, when I'm like, you know, later on in life, I, I started digging more in the record stores, Poobahs, a lot of different uh, places. And I got some, somebody traded, a DJ traded in a lot of the whole change catalog, mm-hmm. BB and Q-Band, all this stuff. It was a period in time where people were so much into like Tribe Called Quest and De La Soul and all of that type of stuff where they were just, a, DJs were just abandoned. It was like a transformation, sort of like how trap is being dominated right now but mm-hmm. before that it was like neo soul or whatever you want to call it so uh during that period in the late 80s uh you know people were throwing out their record collections and 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 I was like this is the greatest music <laughs> on earth what are you guys doing you're just you, you know you you you're going ape ape shi you know what you know what I'm trying to say over um uh samples you mm-hmm. know but what about the actual material that it came from you can mm. put the needle on this track and just listen to the whole song and not not somebody geeking off on a sample you know what I'm saying much love to all the sampleologists out there but you know with that song paradise and the album um it just hit me when I started collecting all this stuff so I took a drive up to Mount Wilson uh, I would put the music recorded on my cassette tapes and me and my friends would just go up and just chill and change his miracles album was one of those albums that in 89 and it was made in 81 me and my friends were listening to that album in our car we mm-hmm. were like in our own dimension you understand what i'm saying yeah. thankfully i had some friends that were cool enough to actually relate to this record how good it sounded even though it was recorded in 81 with a disco funk flair to yeah. it we're gonna you know listen to more of the specific songs from him but if yeah. i can just ask you right now this is their second album, and so you didn't go with Glow of Love, which was their first kind of big hit. Right. Why Miracles rather than, let's say, Glow of Love? Well, because Glow of Love was a great record, but, but Glow of Love, the single, was um, one of my favorite songs as well. I was familiar with that on KJLH and KAs. Oh, yes. Yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? They, were always, they, played, they played that song for years, even before Janet sampled it, and, and everybody played with it, you know, uh, which we loved Janet's and Jimmy Jam and Terry Lewis's version, one of my favorite producers as well, who actually, they ended up producing Change a couple of years into their career. Okay. But Glow of Love was great. It's just that Paradise... Uh, it seemed like with the Miracles record, they had totally arrived. It went from the album cover, the way the artwork was, from the bass lines, more funkier, uh, almost in a Mark L. Adams slave uh, bass tone. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and, and the bass player, David Romani, uh, he, he just was incredible um, on uh, bass. And I mean, it's just like, uh, it was just such a great record. Morgan and Oliver, it's... it's sophistication of funk that I'm mm. into. I like sophisticated funk, even though we talked about earlier styles, it's like the electro funk and the zap funk and, and that type of uh, music. I've always been drawn to a more sophistication of funk, like Patrice Russian's You Remind Me or Forget Me Not, sir, or even Change, you know, it's it's a, it's a lineage, Slave, uh, Steal Your Heart, you know, all of those types of songs have a family where they're more sophisticated funk, where you can drink a, a glass of wine with it and still roll down the, the 110, you know, in an in a, in a old school at the same time, you know what I mean? It's like, it just, <laughs> yeah. you know, it's, it's, a, it's a certain flavor and Change, this particular album, Miracles, represents that feeling that I get sometimes when I uh, listen to different styles of music. So you and I were talking off the air about this um, this idea of sophisticated funk. And I mm-hmm. think, especially coming out of the 1970s, right, this is funk's big kind of coming out party. So you have in that era in the 70s, you have, for example, P-Funk. Yeah, I love- 
Then you have what uh, Damon's described as street funk. So now, what makes sophisticated funk different from those other versions of funk? Uh, the, the the difference is the chords and the way that uh, it's engineered. So uh, you know, there'll be a little bit more wetness in the uh, in the sound uh, sonically. The chords are more lush. Um, the bass playing is more uh, uh, rumble. Uh, it's kind of like a smoother bass line, but still you have the popping going on as well. Um, and, and it's a mix of synth and acoustic and, and vocals that are um, uplifting and, uh, and and sometimes in, in, in ladies and gentlemen doing the vocals as well. Mm-hmm. And um, and not just based on uh, uh, the the part of the party, party hardy vibe of funk, you know what I'm saying? Or, you know, a shaky hips type thing. Uh, Juicy Fruit is a sophisticated funk song, if you ask me. So now, where does change fit into all this? Change to me was uh, a, a a progression, uh, if you will, from uh, chic. They were a group that were didn't from what I saw about their history it was kind of like they were still they wanted to be a funk group they were influenced by Kiss but they but they being in the East Coast a lot of the disco stuff that was happening they just naturally gravitated towards that and the production deals started coming with Sister Sledge and what have you with uh, 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 Bernard Edwards and uh, now Rogers but you know after that uh, that was so influential around that time that change mm. uh they were already doing a lot of Italian disco stuff on the European sound right. with uh, the um, the Goody Music label. It, it, that was like what Jacques Fred Petrus was, was doing around that time when he was starting off a lot of these splinter labels out of uh, Italy, recording in uh, some of the studios out there. So a lot of the Italian musicians, they finally realized, let's try to get some American vocalists on top of our material. And, uh, and that's when they started recording the music in Italy and then went finishing to... Finishing here yeah, in the U.S. Yeah, exactly. Finishing in the New York uh, City area using some of the, a lot of the same uh, session players like Luther mm-hmm. and uh, a lot of those cats were around there and, and the contractor vocal contractors were working with each other to make that stuff sound more soulful right. with the great Italian musicians and uh, but yeah that that record uh, I mean the, the, why I picked where does change fit in all this is because they continued the Chic sound mm-hmm. after Chic had kind of changed things around after the 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 football field, I mean, the baseball field uh, burnt all the disco records. So change continued and, and still was scoring with some real nice chic influenced uh, funk and soul and disco. Yeah. In fact, let's take a listen to uh, Change's song off of Miracles called Heaven in My Life. Right on. Share each other's happiness. You and me. 
And Morgan, you thought Heaven sounded a lot like a Chic song, right? I did. I, it reminded me of Chic's uh, My Feet Keep Dancing. Oh, that's a great song, too. Yeah, that's one of my favorites. You got great taste. <laughs> Thank you. And also, uh, both of those songs, to me, reminded me a lot of the work that you've done with, with, uh, with Night Jewel. hear a lot of, you know, disco, house, but still funk. Were any of these bands an influence on on, uh, on Night Jewel? Uh, yeah. And Night, Night Jewel. Funk. Oh, yeah. Night Funk as well. Um, she likes this kind of material as well. We both, um, we're li- we always listen to this, so, like, it was easy to make the Night Funk EP with uh, having this in our head. Um, again, with the lush chords, yeah. um, with the, the mid-tempo vibes and the bass lines and everything. It's just naturally, it's like, we didn't sit down with the Night Funk project and, like, start listening to actual songs, but it's, it's already in our head. Right. It's like we naturally walk with you know what I mean? So let's take a listen to the title track from Change's album. This is Miracles. This song, Miracles, just brings a great feeling over me. It's like the, the bell chime sounds. It reminds me of Christmas uh, back in the day when I was a kid. Uh, again, this record is just a record that you don't know necessarily where you heard it, but it's, it was really a part of the air as far as when I was growing up in Pasadena. Yeah. We'll take a quick break. We'll be back with more Heat Rocks after this. I'm Barbara Gray. I'm Brandy Posey. And I'm Tess Barker. We're Lady to Lady. Do you want to sleep over in your ears? Is that a friend in your pocket or are you just podcast to see me? We're a portable hangout you can bring to the gym, on the subway, or on an oil rig. Seriously, we have listeners who do that. Show with us while we get high with Margaret Cho. Talk showgirls with Katya from Drag Race. And hear Broadway star Anthony Rapp sing Hamilton. I am not throwing away my shot. (laughs) I am not throwing away my shot. Hey, yo, I'm just like my country. I'm young, scrappy, and hungry, and I'm not throwing away my shot. That's Lady to Lady. Can you keep a secret? Neither can we. Hey there, folks. I'm writer and performer Dave Holmes, and I host International Waters, where we pair a team of comedians in L.A. against a team of comedians in London in a pop culture trivia battle royale. Comedians like Chris Fairbanks. I have a, a metal hip. Oh, that's right. Yeah. How's that going? I'm part uh, robot. It's You're great. more machine than man. It feels yeah. great. I'm mostly man still. Okay. <laughs> that depends on where I'm at, though. Lauren Lapkus. But I do think if you're working with dead bodies all day, maybe a dog would be more appealing than marrying a man. Yeah, right. So. Like, it's like, oh, this is going to get really sad at some point. Yeah. So maybe I'll just marry Seriously. a dog and replace it. Cut, yeah. A lot of cuddling. Yeah. A lot of cuddling. And many more. Join us every other week on International Waters with me, Dave Holmes. Find it on MaximumFun.org or wherever you get your podcasts. So, Dame, I have to know, what's the fire track from this album? Which one is fire? Which one do you have to listen to on elevated decibels? It would be Hold Tight. tight. 
Yeah, Hold Tight is an incredible track, too. Uh, track two, if I'm not mistaken, on the uh, record. And um, it's just such a beautiful song. I love the way the phaser is going on with the chord, uh, the phaser effect in the background, the drums, uh, the bass line, um, the vocals are, have that kind of chanty church vibe, but it's not church, but it's kind of a choir vibe. That's, that's what I love about Chic and Change, the, the vocal arrangements. It always sounded like a bunch of uh, sisters, you know, like having like a, a syncopated uh, choir chant vibe, you know what I mean? And that's, that's, again, what Change was continuing after Chic had started abandoning some of that style. Yeah, so Hold Tight is a great one. You've got it Not a word that anyone can say one factoid about us, uh, since you mentioned the, the female vocalist, change included Jocelyn Brown, mm-hmm. who went on to record uh, Somebody Else's Guy and is well known in the house and disco. I mean, b- big, big voice, yes, yes. right? But found her lane, you know, initially in, in change. So she's in the background, but went on to do, you know, really big things. Sure is. I mean, she's incredible. I mean, um, that was another song. I remember my mom buying that one, bringing it home from a record store called Party Masters in Altadena. But, um, it's a jam, right? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's a jam, yeah, true yeah. jam. Exactly. A lot of that East Coast, uh, you know, stuff that a lot of the um, uh, session players were doing back then, they, they eventually went out and did a lot of great things. So change is responsible for uh, spawning some of that stuff outwardly and continuing on. Maybe it's too on the nose to point out that the group's name is changed, right? There you go. But can, <laughs> can you talk a little bit more about what's happening within R&B in this moment? And you were mentioning earlier about how, you know, disco had gone through its the, the death of disco, you know, in the backlash against it. People burning disco records. I think it was in Wrigley Field in, in Chicago, this you know, well-known incident. So how is R&B music beginning to shift its sound in this moment in the early 1980s? Oh, in the early 80s, uh, it seemed like it was getting a little bit more black, uh, for lack of a better description, because mm-hmm. that is the best description. Let's keep it real. You know, it's like it was going a little bit more uh, back to, you know, um, uh, um, being being yourself and, and not because you were playing chords that that were more beautiful. Like um, and, and, and earlier, it was just about getting the dance floor going. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? But so, um, yeah, and, and, and meaning that. I have to be clear of this. It was a disco period, so I'm saying that it got more soulful in the early 80s, in late 70s. And, and so as as change even were disco-y and Euro-y with the sound, electrified-wise, it got more soulful. Even the, the album after Miracles, which I know we're covering Miracles now, but this is uh, it's called uh, The Best in You. Um, it's just a great, uh, more soulful thing again. So... I mean, uh, I just feel that uh, things were getting a little bit more funkier and mm-hmm. um, and then more electronic uh, instruments were uh, coming in board. But it was this particular period, Oliver and Morgan, where um, before it got so drum machined out, which, you know, that's my favorite. But, right. but, but there was a period where this chic change, sophisticated funk vibe, where there was still Terry Silverlight on drums and um, doing things with the band. Uh, the engineer, Michael Brar, I mean, he was responsible for that lush sound. I mean, the guitar sounds from Doc Powell. 
Mm. I mean, uh, lyrics by Paul Slade. I mean, you know, you had a lot of people, Gordon Grody on the vocals, too. I mean, there was background vocalists like Yolanda McCulloch, rest in peace to her, Fonzie Thornton. Mm. Um, you know, these are people that real heads would recognize, you know, a part of this record. Um, Tanya Willoughby is was the one who wrote um, Paradise and sung on it. And, and she uh, was with uh, um, uh, 29, the group 29. And uh, so uh, that was... Um, uh, Lenny White in 29. She was with that group. and But, you know, it, it's so many stories with this record. I mean, um, there's a lot of information to dig if people really want to check out the story about change and, and, and the, the the interesting flamboyant producer Jacques-Fred Petrus and, and, and his partner uh, uh, in the music-making, Mauro Malavasi. Uh, they have a very interesting story if people want to check it out. I think this moment in funk and soul obviously has a big influence on damn your own sound. Um, let's take a quick listen to your track, A Beautiful Day. Yep, this is recorded in... Uh 1991 and um, on cassette tape in Pasadena in my bedroom. That's a beautiful day which appears on Dame's Adolescent Funk compilation and, and I, Morgan, I know this is a favorite of yours, right? It is. Um, Adolescent Funk is one of my favorite projects of yours because oh, it, you. it feels and sounds like a hybrid of a lot of music that I grew up with. So it sort of reminds me of the Gap Band meets Cameo, meets mm. Midnight Star, meets Atlantic Star, meets Prince, meets oh, cool. Jesse Johnson, meets, meets yes. World on Wheels, yep. right? Yep. Um, you know, you, sk you skate to this mm. music. Um, the track I continue to bump from that album is When I'm With You, I Think of Her. Uh, that's just so gully to me, and it just reminds me of that time. It reminds me of, of L.A. Radio. You mentioned KJLH. You mentioned KAs. 103.9 was, was huge, um, huge in L.A. What was it like listening to those recordings in prep for the release? I mean, listening to you, you know, as a youth, as a young black man growing up um, in, in the West Coast and putting together this sound. Mm -hmm. It was incredible. It was like uh, being in, influenced by all of those groups that you've mentioned in projects and, and vocalists and, and creatives. Um, it was just great. And radio stations. Um, you know, I, and, I, and I was just doing stuff from the heart. I, I wasn't looking for a record deal, Morgan and Oliver. So it was more like real. I didn't, it was no aspirations. I mean, you can hear the hiss and the tapes on some of that stuff. I mean, and, and what happened was that uh, Peanut Butter Wolf, uh, who was the uh, the head of Stone So Records, after my first initial release to each his own, he discovered that I had tapes. Like, I was just messing around, letting him hear some stuff. And he's known for doing this stuff. He did it with Mad Lib, with Quasimodo and stuff mm -hmm. like that. He mm -hmm. goes deeper and goes, finds the older material that you made and see what happens. So, you know, and, and, and it was kind of a cool thing because I, I when I used to make that music back then, 
I didn't. I was wondering, like, would this ever be heard or seen? And um, so it eventually uh, came out, and and it got to show the influences proudly, like Change and 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 those groups that we've been talking about um, in my music, and not have to be feeling so weird or embarrassed about you know having that kind of sound with the hiss and the tape and stuff like that. So again, groups like Change and and, and Patrice Russian and Angela Wimbush and Loose Ends and you know. The, even even my I mean I know this is a little bit of a step away but even the metal and rock stuff like Rush you know they influenced me as well so or Frank Zappa and you know just so many things that that are that are that growing up in Pasadena I was able to quote unquote get away with you know right <laughs> so we just we didn't we weren't we weren't confined I mean I'm not trying to make it a, 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 an area thing but it's just that I feel that we just had a little bit different like vibe in Pasadena and Altadena where we can like listen to the time and then my friends can go up to Mount Wilson listen to change and then mm. go back to the hood and listen to more bounce to Allison and play Egyptian Lover and then have a Rush Hemispheres album and moving pictures in the bedroom as well you know what I mean so yeah. that was all about that adolescent funk uh, era. Were there more uh, demos that didn't make didn't make that project? Do you have... Yeah, yeah. A Beautiful uh, Day was actually an outtake. Um, and, and then there's so many more. I'm thinking about putting out... Adole- I, I just... I don't want to... I, I could have done it sooner, but, you know, um, I, I, I'm, I have to be careful because I don't want to ever... Um, do anything to become like a novelty type situation you know I just really pride myself and you know even with talking about records like this and your great show it's like I didn't want to pick something so obvious so it's like I have to continue so I don't want to run back and like let's do adolescent funk part seven you know what I'm saying but I do have some more music I want I would like folks to hear because I I was speaking to uh, you know the cat Steve Lacey who's yeah. with the internet, internet yeah. yeah um he had hit me up and let me know uh man how did you record when I'm with you, I think of her. <laughs> that is a that's a jam. <laughs> and I was like, so I, it's so cool to see like the younger generation, you know, um, uh, listening to some of this stuff, which I would never have thought them to ask me like, how did you get that sound? And mm-hmm. I was just using two tape decks and a mixer, and so these kids now are like listening to me how I listen to Leon Silvers. Right, it's so interesting. So and how we've listened to change. Yeah, and uh, you know. It's just so nice to be on a show like yours, both of you, and, and to share with the audience because I think records like this get overlooked. A lot of the writers and journalists and critics, which is you, you folks, I love, but <laughs> but thank but, you. <laughs> yeah, but but a lot tend to just overlook this incredible body of work that have, that has been released over the years by people that just don't get enough shine. And when you said Lakeside. I mean, you know, it's like there's so many things, stories that Leon has told me that if only people would hear these stories, it would inspire so many people. And today's topic on change is just such a great honor to talk about the record. But I think I, I think, uh, you know, years from now, the, there'll be somebody else sitting in front of a mic talking about how to each his own really change mm. their direction musically. So live a little longer. You're going to be in this, you know. You can be in, love, in the Morgan. conversation. Thank you, Morgan. I appreciate it. We'll see. Yeah. Let's come back to one more song off of the album. This is uh, On Top. In 
in thinking about you driving up to you know Mount Wilson mm-hmm. listening to this album, I'm really thinking about the format of the cassette itself mm-hmm. because you know, more so than I think any other format, maybe besides the LP, it's just kind of hard to skip tracks. You're just more likely to listen to stuff as they as they roll through. And in an age now where you can just within a few you know mouse clicks, you can create whatever place you want. You're not you're not um, beholden to the original sequencing. There's something about that listening experience where you have to hear it through how the artist wanted you to hear it, which I think is something that's been lost to some degree. Oh, wow. Such a good point. I mean, yeah, when I was making those uh, trips like that with the Change album, uh, I had uh, put it in sequence the way the artist uh, loves to have it represented. But I would also make tapes with other songs uh, or arrange it in my way. So back then we were doing our own playlist, you know, on, on taping it from a record player to the cassette pause tape. tapes exactly pause tapes exactly I would even make uh, um, some of the stuff on this particular album I would pause uh, and record some of the breaks and bridges longer for the drive you know what I'm saying <laughs> I'm sure you did you, you, you know were, what I'm talking about Morgan, I, right? I do and, and yeah. I was going to say you had to be meticulous about it because songs were longer then and what I liked about uh, what I like about artists back then is they would write out the whole song yes every time I think about Shaka Khan I, I always say the strength is in the album Oh, she's because a she, too. she yeah. rides out the whole, I mean, to the end, you don't want to miss any ad libs. It's like someone in the recording booth was like, just keep going, just keep going. Um, and so that's what I like about that. I wanted to mention about On Top, mm-hmm. that it's, the, the build of the song sounds a lot like uh, Renee and Angela, I'll Be Good. Mm-hmm. To me, it has that, you know, yes. what you were saying, that, that drive to it. Mm-hmm. So, you know. With the rewind and fast forward game, you had to be on point Mm -hmm. because I think what we all have in common is we like all parts of the song. We know the the beginning, the middle and the end. And if you miss something in your tape, somebody in that car was going to be like, man, you you missed the chorus or or, or you missed the bridge. So Mm -hmm. shout out Mm -hmm. to you and your... uh, you know, uh, your early curation. Oh, yeah, yeah. It's natural. Like I said, we didn't, and I'm sure you can relate to this, Morgan and, and Oliver. So we, we weren't so pretentious with it. We weren't contrived with it. We just did it. You know right. what I'm saying? It wasn't, nowadays everything's so methodical. And I'm not saying everybody's methodical, but it was just, I think that's what's missing. Some, well, some of, the, some of that is still here. A lot of the technology right now, I'm noticing that people are, um, you know, doing some things. But, you know, um, but th- Right now, with the playlist that we have in our in our digital world, you can't pause tape it unless you have some intricate equipment. You know what I'm saying? But but uh, but the playlist vibe is a good thing right now. But but then again, I do love the fact that you mentioned that the artist likes their music to be listened in a certain way because they sequence it the way you want right. to do. And I think people listen to so many singles now that it's just everywhere. You know what I mean? <laughs> That'll do it for this episode with our special guest, Dan Funk. Dan, where can people follow you? You can follow me at uh, Instagram, which is uh, D-A-M underscore F-U-N-K. And then also Twitter, which is uh, just one D-A-M F-U-N-K. And uh, you can get at D-A-M dash F-U-N-K dot com, which is my website. And, uh, you know, you can just find me around. I'm I'm an easygoing guy, but don't DM me. Just kidding. Just kidding. <laughs> when can we expect some new music from him? Um, I'm, I'm taking a minute to just uh, get a full-length third record uh, done. I got some surprises for you this time. I'm 
scaling it back a little bit. No, not a lot of guests this time because I'm, I've always been working with a lot of collaborations. And uh, but but there's some some 12 inches and some things that I'm gonna uh, be sharing from Glide Zone Recordings, which is my uh, new label. So that's what Night Funk came on, and I'm still doing some things with everybody else. Stones throw all kinds of labels, but Glide Zone Recordings is uh, something I'm proud of, and uh, that's uh, where some things are gonna be showing up before my third album. Awesome. Dan, thank you so much for coming through. You've been listening to Heat Rocks with me, Oliver Wang, and Morgan Rhodes. Our theme music is Crown Ones by Thess Ichi of People Under the Stairs. Shout out to Thess for the hookup. Heat Rocks is produced by myself, Morgan Rhodes, and Kara Hart, and today's show was engineered and edited by Kara. We are part of the Maximum Fun family, taping every week live in their studios in the abnormally warm Westlake neighborhood of Los Angeles. As a reminder, our special live episode taping with Beast Slade talking about Janet Jackson's Rhythm Nation is going down on Saturday, November 11th at 4 p.m. We'll be at the residence in the Arts District of Los Angeles. Find more info on the website. Please join us. Good to see you, Morgan. Good to see you too, Oliver. MaximumFun.org Comedy and culture. Artist owned. Listener supported.